0: Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Woman in Compliance podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. I'm Mary Shirley and today I'm super excited to be debuting a new feature for the Great Woman in Compliance podcast Uh, and that's introducing you to the bonus episode series. Now what is the bonus series you may be asking dear listener? Well, it's a special category of podcasts that we bring in subject matter experts who do work and have skills, knowledge and experience that align with our major goal of advancing women in compliance professionally and sometimes personally, um, though they're not in the compliance or tangential fields themselves. Uh, so you'll notice that uh, traditionally we, we interview women in compliance uh, and, and occasionally gentlemen. Uh, And these bonus uh, episodes are really targeted at um, specialists who have something very um, expert to offer in the area of advancing and empowering women. So um, I would like to introduce our first um, bonus episode guest today, Melanie Stanley. Mel, welcome to the show. Would you like to introduce yourself further for us, please? Hello, Mary. Yes.
1: Wonderful to be here. Um, so I, um, I'm based in the UK. Mm-hmm. I've spent most of my career in advertising agencies, some big network agencies such as WPP in London, uh, working with some um, UK and global clients. Many of the brands are household names. Um, so I, I know my way around branding and it's what I would put down as my, my core competency. you like. Um, But after about 20 plus years, when I moved over into the corporate sector, I started to realize that um, the advancement of women was much slower in the corporate side than in Mm -hmm. advertising. So I don't know whether it's the same in the States, but in the ad agency industry in the UK, there are actually many female CEOs and group CEOs. Um, I would say it's probably easily 50-50, if not 60-40 in their Mm favour. I came from a culture that really um, um, had many role models and uh, and, and inspirational women leaders who we could follow into a more corporate culture uh, with a board that was... um, white and male and mostly Mm. with one Mm -hmm. uh one female generally in HR Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was quite surprised at how the more senior unlike advertising agencies the more senior the fewer females there were and Mm. during my time at uh, my last role I um I joined a board called um, Smart Energy Great Britain, which was about the introduction of smart meters. And off of that, got involved with a company called Women on Boards, which is a global network promoting board level diversity. And some of the stats for that um, I found you know, quite horrific when we were talking about FTSE and global um, index companies that some of whom didn't have a woman on the board, some maybe had, you know, two or three in specific disciplines. And that the target um, was 30%, you know, Mm. have... 30% 30% on the board and it seemed mm-hmm. to me pretty low um, but I could absolutely see um, how this was possible with, you know, the patriarchal society that we've had in play for so long, um, the uh the situation with women who leave to go and have children, um, the glass ceiling, we'll talk a bit more about that, um, as to how there just wasn't the opportunity there for women. And I started to think about, well, why that might be the case and came to the conclusion it was less about competency because we all know lots of very brilliant, brilliant Mm very talented women. And it wasn't about lack of ambition either. Mm -hmm. It seemed to be more about um, confidence and profile Um, because women tend to fear and shy away from self-promotion. Um and they and I think that's partly because we've been brought up not to be pushy because it's not ladylike. Um Mm -hmm. ambition in women is 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 aggression. Mm -hmm. And um I think that's where you know many women have thought, you know, it's not my place to really Mm -hmm. go for what I want and self-promote. Um Mm -hmm. and that's where personal branding comes into play. So What I'm doing now with my company, First Woman, is I'm combining my marketing and brand skills and applying exactly the same principles that I've applied for years to big company brands Mm -hmm. to individuals, specifically Mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. So what are your values? What's your purpose? What are your goals? Um, And what's your story? What's, What's your USP and your strengths? What are the things that you can authentically promote so that you don't come over as being just flaky and and pushy, and that's that's what personal branding in its best sense it's all about um, refining uh, the individual and authenticating them rather than manufacturing them into something that they're not.
0: Great, I love that. Um, a lot of that really resonates with me and reflects um, the various work environments that I've been in. Um, you know, uh, across multiple countries. So advertising sounds very unique. Um, and I, I'm glad that we have you here to, to share some of your expertise in this area, because, uh, as you indicated, um, and it's something that we touched on on a recent podcast, women typically, um, sort of struggle to, to leverage their relationships, um, um, that they've made through networking uh, as well as men do. They, they tend to be good at building relationships, but not so good at leveraging and that kind of asking for favours or self-promotion is is considered, you know, almost a little bit tacky. Um, and so I love the, the, the fact that even though we shouldn't be considering it as tacky, your personal branding um technique's probably not the right word, but focus um, helps people who feel like it's, it's uncomfortable to, yeah. to speak up and draw attention to themselves overtly. So here's a way in which you can do it and everyone can see it, but you're not making a literal song and dance about yourself. Absolutely. This isn't about
1: creating an advertising campaign for you. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. about um, uh, emphasising um, the strengths and emphasizing what you're really good at and putting yourself in a position where Mm. um, you are asked um, to you know take on projects or given opportunities um, without having to go and fight for them Um, Mm. because that isn't that isn't the female way Um, Mm. that's that's definitely the um, where, where men tend to excel and that's I think just a gender difference.
0: Mm, absolutely. Well, uh, so I really can't wait to get into your personal branding subject matter expertise. But before we do, um, I, I wanted to add uh, a, a little topic to our lineup today. Uh, I saw that you had a um, you recently held a really interesting conversation on the brick ceiling um, with some um, some ladies. And that you invited to speak with you. Will you share some of the information about the brick ceiling and your insights from that experience? Yes,
1: yeah, so um, the Shattering the Brick Ceiling uh, was a podcast I did to try and bring a different perspective to um, how women of colour uh, find are finding it um, difficult to succeed and the the specific challenges that they have in addition to being women in the workplace. So the brick ceiling was a phrase that one of my guests used. Um, She's she's quite a young, but nonetheless, um, she's on an upward trajectory. And uh, she referred to the the brick ceiling as being, you know, if you think it's, it's difficult for women to break the glass ceiling, then it's doubly hard for black women and BAME women to be able to do that. Because not only do you have the gender issue, but you also have the colour issue. And um, the workplace uh, is often frequented, certainly white-collar workplaces are often frequented with white people. Um, and as we, we've just discussed in senior positions, white men. So, um being, uh, becoming part of that um, is a tough ask, and the real insights that came out from that conversation, and it was it was a fascinating conversation to hear their perspectives and how they had been influenced over the years by their families and the directions that they had taken, but also through their sheer um, tenacity and resilience mm-hmm. to get to where they've, they've got to. Mm-hmm. And the key insight was really around that they don't. They really want to be part of the collective, Mm. whereas at the moment, um, you know, Michaela, uh, she went to university and she was one of the only black women and only black people in in, in her course. Um, And Rashida uh, was, is the only black woman in her company. Hmm. Um, and Nanya, who's very, is a vice president at CACI, which is a big global tech company. Uh, she's, she's of um, Indian descent and there's four in, in that company. And hmm. what they want to be seen as is um, their reputation to be based on merit. And we all talk about, you know, we, it's, it's, it shouldn't be anything to do with skin colour and it absolutely shouldn't. But they want to be part of the collective so that it's not Um, this is my uh, this is the black person in the room Um, it's this is my brilliant black colleague uh, sorry this is my brilliant colleague who who happens to be black and that's it Um, Mm -hmm. there is no difference Um, but we're a long way from that yet simply because we talked a lot about opportunities and where the opportunities for women of color starts and (laughs) you know we there aren't enough um, women of color in the roles in order to build the numbers and build the momentum so at the moment whether these women like it or not they are trailblazers and the Mm -hmm. other thing they feel is a huge amount of pressure to get it right um because they don't want to ruin the opportunity for all of those black women coming behind Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. So there's a a lot of pressure on them to get it right. There's a lot of pressure on them to succeed. But ultimately, they've all done so by embracing their true self Mm -hmm. and learning what is acceptable behavior. I mean, Michelle talked about, you know, she, she she, she used to go into work on occasions with her hair in an afro, and people used to come up and touch it and in the beginning of her her job she used to she was terribly uncomfortable about that but she let that happen because she didn't want to appear um bolshy or aggressive um and now she won't accept that uh because she started to embrace who she is and her color and her hair and everything that goes with that is part of that but you know it's not it's not some freak show where she's there to be looked at so it's mm. um it's fascinating how they've overcome the things that you know more than just being a woman more than just competing in a, in a male world they are also competing as colored women in a white world mm. um, so it's um, but it was really positive you know conversation mm. hugely positive and that's what I wanted to to get out of them because with all of the activism um, around Black Lives Matter, which is absolutely, um, you know, relevant. At the same time, there, there are women, ordinary women, you know, we're not talking about um, yes. Beyonce. Um, we're not talking about president um, nominates here. We are talking about ordinary women in the workplace mm. who are being successful despite, mm. being, women, despite being black, and, and I think that's really
0: inspiring. Absolutely, and so Mel. For any of our listeners who are keen to hear some of the um, the first hand tales from that uh, podcast episode, how can they find it?
1: Well, it's on my um, LinkedIn page. Um, okay under mel stanley so great free. Uh, it's also on uh, which might be a little easier on my linkedin first woman page mm-hmm. um, and um yeah so the links are there and there are also some um, really animated fun um, audio visual outtakes there where you mm. can get, get snippets of the conversation um and the people in the conversation
0: super that sounds great thank you for for sharing that with us All right. So, for for level-setting purposes, as we go into the the personal branding topic now, will you help um, to establish some baseline knowledge for us on what personal branding is? And I know you you gave us a great little summary um, just a a little earlier on. And what it is not.
1: Yeah. Um, So, if you Google personal branding, um, you'll get – about eight and a half million results um, so there are lots of definitions there are lots of perspectives um, and i think it's you know it's difficult to come up with a a feel like a unique expression of um, what personal branding it is but my my own preferred um, explanation uh, which is a summation of, of, of a lot of things is your personal brand is is a holistic represent- representation of you so it's a three hundred and sixty of you, um, entirely you, all of you, what's and all, um, nothing missed out. Um, and in that respect, it it can't be overinflated um, if it's rooted in the real you. Um, there is a lot of talk about personal branding and Instagram and um, how people create and manufacture personal brands. Uh, But, you know, this isn't, we're not talking about a Kim Kardashian version of you. We're talking about um, who you really are as a person, characteristics, personality, experience, strengths, values and drivers, all the things that make you tick, all the things that um, you hold dear. And that's what builds your personal brand. And, you know, people buy people. And authenticity is is a key part of that. We you know we've all met um, individuals who we take a instant dislike to, or <laughs> you know, people you meet to think you know what well, I could really go out and have a glass of wine mm-hmm. with her, mm-hmm. um, and you don't know why you immediately create those impressions and mm-hmm. have a connection or not, but you just do. But there's some um, HBR research that uh, said that we all create impressions in about seven seconds mm-hmm. and that is um those are framed by our own experience and heuristics um, you know our lives are where we were brought up how we were brought up um, lots of things contribute to those impressions that we create very quickly and so you know seven seconds that's not even enough time to say hello um And every every person does it. We're all told not to judge, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, we're mentally wired to do that. Right. So because, uh, having a, a really strong, authentic uh, personal brand enables you to be able to get past that, that the first impression that you create is the one that you want to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's lots of ways of doing this um in, in terms of, understanding in a very succinct um, sentence, for example, what your elevator pitch is. If you're in a networking Mm. situation, how do you introduce yourself? Um, You know, your handshake. All of those things, whether you're smiling, all of those things create that first impression. And, of course, reputation, which is a big part of personal branding. So, uh, you know, what people say about you, not just what you say about yourself, that can be curated out of your personal brand. So your reputation is something that, you know, the message you land is something you want to land, not um, a spurious impression uh, or perception that somebody has created of you, so mm. personal branding needs to be um, built, not mm-hmm. created. And I use that the definition because um, building means it comes from you. Created sounds manufactured, so it's built mm-hmm. um, from everything about you as an individual. Um, mm. And believing in that gives you extreme confidence, and you know, confidence is is very important. It's one of the most attractive features of any individual so what it's not is um an arrogant act of Mm -hmm. self-promotion because there are lots of ways of um promoting yourself through personal branding without it being um really overt and tacky and you know women shy away from that I think anyway Mm. Um, there's uh, we, we suffer a little bit from the likability factor uh, mm. what we liked. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't like offending people um and so we worry a lot about what people think about us mm-hmm. uh, we worry about being judged um we a lot of us suffer from imposter syndrome which mm-hmm. is a much uh, touted subject mm-hmm. so um you know we 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 see this idea of talking about ourselves, presenting ourselves, promoting ourselves as being, um, you know, not something that's particularly polite. And, uh, and we need to get past that, because if it's rooted in who you are, in your authenticity, you know, it's it's I, I said it's about perfecting yourself, authenticating mm. you. It's not about um, curating something that is um, some high profile persona of who you'd like to be.
0: Mm, it's not contrived,
1: absolutely not, and you know if it is contrived, that's when you know you get found out mm-hmm. um, you know we all know people who we would term flaky um
0: mm-hmm. because
1: there'll be one thing one day and something else another mm-hmm. day, and having a personal brand is about consistency, and that's exactly the same as marketing mm-hmm. it's having cons- it's about consistency, so your behaviors and your decision making is all wrapped up in um, in who you
0: are. And Mm -hmm. that's what you become known for. Wonderful. Great explanation there. Thank you for being so clear. So this brings me now to why uh, is personal branding so critical for us to take stock of and work on as much as any other professional development aspect? So uh,
1: I think... Having a personal brand and being known for something, so having a, have a reputation for something positive, um, you know that it allows doors to be opened for you. Um, it creates opportunities. So, in in the world we live in at the moment, certainly with the um, the COVID situation, um, if people are finding themselves either you know on consultation or at risk of redundancy, um, it's You need to have something more than just competency and ability to do the job. You know, that becomes a hygiene factor in a market where um, there's lots of competition. So having a personal brand establishes your credibility. um, It means that when uh, people are talking about you, they're saying the right things. Um, it helps grow your network and expand your reach. So there are lots of ways that you can use your personal brand. We'll probably talk about, talk about LinkedIn later and other social platforms, but there's lots of ways that you can communicate your personal brand, which will give you a competitive advantage uh, beyond just a list of experience and, and expertise and, and skills. Um, so, you know, branding is a function of what you say and what you do and, What you say and how you behave establishes all of that, which is, you know, is is why your brand is absolutely key. And in having a strong brand, when I say about new opportunities, you know, again, as women, we tend to sit back and we hope that all the good work that we've done will be recognized and we will be justly rewarded for it because that's, you know, fair. It just doesn't happen that way. So, having a a strong reputation and a good brand means that you know in a sea of others you will be selected as somebody to take on a new opportunity or to be promoted you know um, oh mary can do that um she's a creative inspiration um will bring mary in on that project because um she knows how to get these things done that is the the strength of your brand now if you are invisible Um, And nobody knows who you are and what your strengths are and um, the value that you bring to the table, then you will be overlooked. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, that's, you know, one of the real um, credible reasons to, to have a personal brand. And so all of that then enables you to reach your personal and professional goals, to be able to do the things that you want to do and to be able to plan ahead. Um, And if you look at how you can communicate your brand and create a proper comms plan to do that, Mm -hmm. then you can start to reach out beyond your network and set yourself up for other opportunities in the future. And and Mm -hmm. in a company, you know, companies benefit from um, Mm -hmm. people having strong personal brands within them. Yes. People who... People who are um, represent a company and are known as being really credible individuals—that's mm-hmm. great for the company's reputation, mm-hmm. and you know it's great for employee engagement as well. So mm-hmm. there's lots and lots of lots of benefits um, from that. But in terms of there was one example very recently um, that. Um, I talk about with uh, a lovely lady who is American called Dory Clark, mm-hmm. and she's an absolute icon. Um, and mm-hmm. she recently wrote a post um, called which was essentially about personal branding for women. Mm-hmm. And um, she talked about how um, this the likability factor. Um, and I've been on one of Dory's courses, um, so I'm kind of connected with her on LinkedIn. And I shared her post. And I added, um, you know, a couple of sound bites of my own, and four thousand people read that post, and mm. they read it because she came back and said, "Thank you, Mel, for sharing."
0: Oh, amazing! Now, this, woman,
1: this woman has got a gazillion followers, <laughs> and, you know, for, but that's what she does. She responds to everybody. And because that's who she is, and that's part of her brand and so when she responded to that, and I honestly you know I mean, I was just basically adding a bit of value to what was already a brilliant post that mm. she had written mm-hmm. in her responding to that, she opened her network to me, and mm-hmm. I got lots of views from people who i've never ever been able to attract off my own of my own, so mm. this idea of um of connecting with people who can open doors and uh, and help you is really really key in getting your um, your brand across and getting your message out there.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting. I I don't know Dory Clark. I haven't um, spoken with her or, or read um, any of her things, but uh, I have at least two other people in my network um, who. Uh, are in close contact with her. And even though I've never been exposed to her, um, I already have a sense of her being a real subject matter expert um, in her field um, and and being a, a trailblazer. And so even though I've not met this woman, her personal brand is already um, in my mind. Isn't that incredible? And that's the power of it, yeah. right? Absolutely.
1: And, and that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. So, you know, if... Um, if 10 years down the line, you've been um, curating your brand and getting out in the right places with audiences that you want to be able to connect with. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, all of a sudden, as you say, you may never have met the person, you may never have connected with them, even on a platform like LinkedIn, but -hmm. you've got an impression of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what this is all about. But it's got to be the right impression. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's got to be Something that you want out there but she is a um you know she's a really good example of somebody who walks the walk mm. you know she just she doesn't just say her purpose is to share her message and help people she mm. really doesn't mm. uh, and I and I think for that you know I, I don't know whether she has somebody respond to all of the people
0: who comment on her posts I can't mm. believe she's got the time to do it all herself but
1: even mm. if she does that
0: you know I mean you know good for her yeah absolutely And um, Mel, you you mentioned something that I am very much in agreement with, um, which is that when you have uh, individuals in a company who are very well regarded, especially in their respective areas of of practice that they do in their core role for that business, that's a positive for the company, right? Because it it helps to show that there are true subject matter experts. This company hires good people. They hire the best in their field one of the things that I've observed and I have myself been um, I'll just use this word loosely a victim of it and um, is if you go to an effort to to do something beyond the realm of your core job and and you know as you know we've got this podcast sometimes colleagues um, are unduly harsh to those individuals and based on my my experience hearing about this from others, I only know of women who have been in the situation where if they are some kind of high profile, they speak a lot at conferences, um, they write books, Um, they uh, do a lot of social media posts and become well known that uh, this can actually cause them troubles internally um, with with colleagues Um, I I don't know the the root cause I would guess in some cases it might be jealousy and others it might Mm -hmm. be that they feel shown up by the person right if someone's doing more than you um, I I heard this quote once about how um, you will never be criticized by someone doing more than you Mm. Um, which I, I have found to be largely true. Um, so what is your advice for these people who have, you know, done the right thing in terms of they're volunteering their own time outside of, of work to, to focus on their work-related interests, which have in turn um, positively built their brand perhaps externally but yeah. are suffering a little bit internally? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, that that kind of... Um I would say the individuals, as you say, maybe mostly men, feel threatened by that behaviour. But it comes down to what I said, you know, a short while ago, that it's not a behaviour that. Um that women um, are expected to, to, to demonstrate. We're not expected. Mm. We are expected to go beyond. We are expected <laughs> yes. to do more than um, uh, is necessary. But, you know, as long as it fits in a box mm. that is viewed as, as acceptable. And, mm. you know, the my my one thought on all of this is the thing about personal brand or in indeed anything is People don't have to like you. Mm. They don't have to like you. They don't have to like what you're doing um, as long as they, they respect you. And it's, you know, it comes back, not, not everybody, it's this likability factor, not everybody is going to pat you on the back and say, great job done. Um, that's amazing. Especially if that puts them in a difficult position and it's viewed as a threat. But that is not a reason to stop doing it Mm -hmm. if you are working in a culture that allows um that kind of behavior in response to somebody who's making an effort to do some you know a bit more especially if it's in pursuit of the you know the the gain of the company then you know those kind of that's where cultural change needs Mm -hmm. to happen Mm -hmm. and and i think when Many women that I've talked to about developing their their, their personal brand is when we look at deep seated values and what's important, that can often lead us to find that where we're working doesn't really sit with mm-hmm. where we want to be and isn't mm-hmm. really going to get us where we want to be, mm-hmm. um, and that we're we're battling with a pervasive systemic bias within a culture that, you know, as an individual, we can't overcome. And that's mm. why networks in, in big companies are so important, mm. uh, because you, you can develop this circle of trust and you're not alone in, in combating mm. that. But I, I, I definitely um, do not agree with bending to the will of the culture. Mm-hmm. If, if, I, if it becomes unbearable, leave and find another mm. job where you mm-hmm. will be valued. Um, mm-hmm. Where your actions aren't going to be um, deemed as threatening or um, are unacceptable or mm-hmm. pushy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: leave you know and and take your value to the benefit of a company that will embrace that. And mm-hmm. sooner or later, these these old traditional mm-hmm. uh, corporates they're going to have to get with the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're going to have to wake up because um, it's. Times are changing mm. um, and, you know, we're seeing this everywhere, aren't we? In politics mm. um, mm-hmm. and uh, not just in daily life.
0: Mm. So
1: um, never put up with a, a culture that doesn't value who you are and what you do.
0: Thank that you, Mel. Well that, is, that is solid advice and so I'm going to make sure that this episode um, gets in front of uh, some, some of my associates who, who need to hear that <laughs> right now. Thank you. Um, You um, talked a little bit about social media before and I'd love Mm. to to dig a little deeper into this. What part does social media play in this exercise of personal branding? Mm -hmm. Well,
1: I think it's huge because it's, um, I mean, obviously, you know, the face to face side of personal branding, um, you know, is fairly obvious. Every, every meeting you go to, your personal brand is on display. Every time you're introduced to somebody, your personal brand is on display. But if you want to um, build something, um, a, a platform to, to launch your brand off, if you like, then social media is a good place to do it. And you can also do that, you know, and, and kind of start there and dabble in it and test things and see what works for you in a way that you can't necessarily do in a face to face situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so it's um I think the first thing to do is I, I always think it's worth googling yourself. It's something that many people don't do. But if you google put your name into Google what comes up? Um because there might be for example lots of Mary Shirley's out there and they might all do different things but the very least that you'd expect to see is a google link back to your linkedin profile if you are in a professional in a Mm -hmm. a business Mm -hmm. Uh, that's the very limit that you would least you'd want to see Um, but how you portray yourself on linkedin how you portray yourself on instagram and facebook and twitter and all the rest of it you need to really understand what outcome you want from those platforms because they all operate in slightly different different ways. So I always think of um LinkedIn to be seen and um and to be read uh because I think LinkedIn is a great platform for sharing um points of view, um professional expertise and content. Um, Twitter uh people tend to because of the limit obviously on the characters they, they either do these three or four posts uh, one after another or they share articles so Twitter's a great place to get thought leadership uh, within the professional environment. Um, and Facebook, well, you know, I mean, Facebook is a big connection platform, and there's lots of businesses and people who run their businesses off of Facebook. But, um, you know, the important thing of all of this is um, to keep it all consistent. So uh, you know, with Instagram, which is all about it's very visual, it's very lifestyle, um, it's very much about being seen. When we think about personal brand on social, we need to look at how how do I want my personal brand to be consumed on each of those platforms in the way that those platforms are best optimized. Um, so for example, you know, you you never release thought leadership on, on Instagram because it's not about that. Um, but the consistency is absolutely key. And I have a concept called um shall I call lead Key Identities? which is where you appear as one thing on one platform and something else completely different on another. And that might be because people tend to have a personal life, if you like, or want a personal life, but a personal profile, if you like, and then a professional profile. And that's great. But then if somebody Googles you and they get something, um, an impression, completely different on LinkedIn from what they do on Facebook, then, you know, you're putting yourself at risk as appearing um, inconsistent um, so how you work social platforms to um, portray your personal brand is really, really important. Because you know we are just that search engine away from, from being discovered. And if you want to separate them all out and still um, you know, put your um, holiday photos on, on Facebook, as, as we all do, make sure you've got your privacy settings sorted. So that what, you, what is seen about you in the public domain is what you want to be seen um, and it won't be
0: detrimental to your brand. Perfect. Okay. That sounds good. Um, any thoughts on, um, how often we should be posting and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. So, um, so if we think about LinkedIn, which is, you know, the, the professional network mm-hmm. of, of yep. voice for many people, um, there are, there's tons of examples of, of, uh, how to use LinkedIn best, but, um, it's something, LinkedIn is something that needs to be nurtured. It's because it is a community and it is a network. So the -hmm. way the LinkedIn algorithm works is the more you post that is relevant um, to your profile and what you're posting, um, the more likes you get, the more comments you get, the more they will post your stuff. And that's how the algorithm works broadly. Um, So if you are um, completely invisible, on linkedin so maybe you're an observer who just likes to look at stuff and read stuff but never comment and never post yourself you can't suddenly launch into linkedin and start producing stuff and expect it all to be read and noticed and commented on it doesn't work like that um and that's why it's a nurturing process so i think with linkedin um You know, you don't really need to do more than a couple of posts a week. And again, if you think about a comms plan as you would for a brand, one of those might be an article. One of those might be a repost with, you know, a couple of sentences with your perspective on it. Um, One of those things might be a share. Uh, You know, it doesn't have to be, you don't always have to be writing um, great big documents to post on there. But just a couple of posts a week and always use hashtags because hashtags again open you up into other groups always tag a company or an individual if you are referencing them um, and um, and always think whatever you're putting out there how is that going to be consumed is am i am i going to be perceived in the right way by putting this content out there so always put yourself exactly the same as classical branding. Always put yourself in the, in the shoes of the person you're trying to connect
0: with. What are they going to take from, from what you're putting out there? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's great advice. Thank you, Mel. And uh, that's all we've got time for in this um, first episode of this two-part series. So we look forward to continuing our conversation with Mel. Keep a lookout for it launching soon. Thanks so much. Thank you.